Welcome to Equip, tools for navigating real life. I want to welcome you to the Equip podcast brought to you by Arise Ministries. I'm Pam Keneally, co-founder, and today Dr. John Wolgamuth is with me. He's the lead teaching pastor at Henderson Hills Baptist Church in Edmond, Oklahoma, and just a wonderful supporter of our mission in empowering single moms to create healthy homes. So I must admit that today's a topic that likely scares mothers half to death. I mean, we're talking today about single mothers raising boys and girls and the dangers their children face with pornography. I'm especially grateful that our guest today was raised by a single mother and has some personal experience as a teenager concerning this topic that I personally don't have. I'm sure he comes with a heartfelt knowledge today and understanding and uh, and biblical insight for mothers raising children in single-parent homes. Oh, goodness, John, today's a tough one, but welcome. Thank you. It's an honor (laughs) to be here. It is intimidating, but uh, it's a a good topic because it's such a relevant topic to our moms and to uh, young boys and girls. It is. I want to be a part of that. It is, and I'm glad you have not gotten up and left yet. You're (laughs) sitting here, and we're ready to go. But, John, I read the other day that the most tight word on the internet is S-E-X, which I'm sure greatly thrills the pornography industry, producing over $100 billion a year in this industry. In addition, over I read over 11,000 adult X-rated movies are put out every year, which is just so frightening. To me, it's just an understatement to say that pornography is a powerful and pervasive issue. So, what I want to ask you, I just want, I know why you're here, but I want you to tell our listeners why you said yes to being on this program today. Well, obviously, my mom and dad got divorced when I was a freshman in high school. Uh, so when you think of a 14-year-old boy in the middle of that formative years where uh, I didn't have uh, a lot of guidance towards this topic especially, uh, as your hormones are raging, as your body's changing, all those kind of things happen, I was sort of left without a rudder. Uh, and so I know that, that God has given me this unique testimony to be able to come back and speak into that, both with what my mom did well, what she looks back on, wish she could have done mm-hmm. better, uh, <laughs> but also my perspective on the whole thing and, and the feelings that I had through that process. And so just want to use that for God's glory, yes. uh, knowing that it's, it's no fun to look back on, really. Right. Uh, those memories come back quickly, but at the same time, God can use it for His glory. Right. Well, I want to say to the single moms listening today, I want you to know, first of all, that God loves you. God has always known this day would come that um, he's always known and as we move forward single mom I just want you to know you can trust him as the single provider and single parent uh, uh, person in your home you can trust him so hang on to that truth as we move forward because uh, our our hearts are are enlightened and both concerned and just want you to know that that God can do so many things. But first of all, John, let's start at ground zero with our moms. Study has shown that the most ripe age for children that turn to pornography, both boys and girls, is between the ages of 11 and 17, uh, with 94% of these kids have seen pornography, especially in today's culture, by the age of 14. So we have moms listening today that have children that age, and they're wondering, Oh my goodness, are my kids are my kids into this? And so can you share some symptoms that moms might be displaying or that the kids might be displaying that moms might want to take notice of? Yeah, so for me it was sixth grade. I distinctly mm-hmm. remember. I hate that that I remember that. But That's it was 11 sixth grade. Years old. Uh and uh it was at a friend's house. Mm-hmm. And so first of all, you need to know your kids' friends. Mm-hmm. Uh really need to have an awareness of where they're at, what they're around. Uh you can't 
obviously shelter them the rest of their lives. But at the same time, you need to know uh, because that was I was at a friend's house. My mom probably didn't even know who they were. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that was that was painful. Uh, But then what that led to was this process of seeing kind of pull back from relationship. And that was before my dad was even out of the picture. So even at that point, there was still me pulling back a little bit, beginning to uh, isolate myself, become disinterested in in really just the relationships that we used to have as a mm-hmm. family. And uh, so that kind of led to later my, my own blaming of my parents' divorce, which that's a whole other conversation mm-hmm. we can have. But um, for me, the, the reality of what we have today with the phones, pervasive iPads, Kindles, everything that's right there in our pockets, literally, I didn't have to deal with that. For me, it was a computer, had to find access uh, with with some kind of magazine or things like that. So it was harder. There was a, bar- uh-huh, a barrier there. Uh-huh. Uh, now there is no barrier. Uh, and so to watch for those emotional changes, really in any deviant behavior, you're going to see things that show up, sure. right? You're going to see your kid pull away. You're going to see some changes in their attitudes. So you just need to have your antennas up about what that looks like, that there's something that's changed and you need to dig in to find out what it is, have the relationship enough to where you can see that there's a secret back there. Sure. And, and so you've got to start young. With our boys, 11, 9, 6, we're trying to talk about no secrets, that there's mm-hmm. no nothing that you would say to me that I wouldn't still love you in sure. response to, but we don't want them to hide it. And uh, so do they, do they seem to be changing in some way? You need to dig in there. Uh, the secrecy idea is huge. I, I think it's not only with this, it's with abuse issues mm-hmm. and things like that. Are they hiding something they shouldn't mm-hmm. be hiding? Pornography could be one of those. Uh, do they start acting out sexually uh, and they start to to see behaviors you didn't see before and the way that they have have sexualized things? Are they is there more crude jokes that they're mm-hmm. saying that they didn't before uh, that that just doesn't seem like them? Well, that could be an indicator of something going on, even if they're just experimenting, trying to find things. They don't really know what it is yet. They're not full-blown addicted, but they're just seeing things for the first time they've never seen. And, sure. and it's appealing to them, and, and it uh, creates a desire. And so you need to dig in and see where they're at with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, just looking for those sexually con- connotations that they're putting into their lives that they never did before. That will show up as you start to see more usage. But but again, don't drop the hammer on the first time you hear something. Yes. You need to just lovingly draw it out because that boy doesn't even know what he's doing at yes. that point if he's 12 years old, yes. right? Yes, yes. Well, you know what? You brought up some great points. You know, moms, you know, first of all, for those of us that, that walk with Christ, we have the spirit to reveal things to us. And so we, we can ask for wisdom in that area. But you can watch for physical things, not just things like over oversleeping or mood changes or shifting in behavior suddenly or things crazy like my child never used to stay in the shower for 30 minutes or Mm. just things like that everyday common things that are just kind of off a little bit that you might just kind of take a look at some of that and um you know there's just like you said just a change in behavior a withdrawal a sense of secrecy these are all really good so you know um I want to ask you, and we all know this, but I just want to lay it down, and, and um, um, this is, can, can be the scary part, but we can't, we can't move toward correction until we understand why we're doing what we're doing. So let's just talk about why is pornography so dangerous. Well, the culture would want you, and really the enemy would want you to believe that this is just kind of an innocent behavior. Uh, it's not as bad as sleeping around, those kind of mm-hmm. things. Like that's that's just the reality they want you to believe. It might seem innocent and harmless comparatively, but the reality is it's as dangerous as 
as cocaine is in our brains. It rewires your brain. It's as addictive as cocaine. They've, they've studied this, wow. that the centerpiece of your brain, the way it reacts is almost more so stimulated by pornography. Mm. And then when you, when you tie the physical action of masturbation with that, then it just reaffirms exactly what your brain is wanting. So that's why it's so dangerous is it, it gets deeper into the brain than just like, oh, that's a, that's a harmless hormonal thing that the boy's going through. Or the girl's experimenting with something that she's watching and, and trying to act it out. Like, that's not harmless. This is a big deal. It rewires, desensitizes the brain. It changes the personality uh, from the inside out. It just is so pervasive. Uh, the biggest thing that I saw for me looking back on it now is it, it trained my mind and really my heart that I've had to retrain over time is to think of those people in the movie or the picture or whatever it is as an object. And so it turned people from image bearers of God into simply an object for my pleasure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that's dangerous because that doesn't just stay on the video screen or stay in the pictures. It, it's, it begins to see your view across the board of every, every person you meet. Uh, and and that's that's dangerous. That's that's painful to look back on. That I've had to relearn that, and uh, you, you can never get enough of it either, mm-hmm. right? It's so dangerous mm-hmm. because it it just never ends, and so then it begins to lead out into behavioral things that God thankfully protected me from. Uh, the way I, I never pursued it physically with a woman, but but I could see where it could have gone if mm-hmm. I never would have uh, just cut the cut the snake's head off sure. and said, "Here, we're going to stop this." Uh, so it follows you. It never ends. It, it always asks for more. The enemy wants you to go deeper. And then it follows you into relationships as it continues on. It, mm-hmm. it, doesn't, it, it doesn't stay isolated if there is a, a seeming outlet in front of you. Like, of course, your, your flesh, your, your mind rewired is going to want to act out on that. And so that's dangerous Yes. Uh, because then you can start to act out some of the dangerous things you've seen potentially so it's not harmless. It's not just innocent behavior mm-hmm. that all boys do or all little girls kind of feel it out a little bit. No, it's dangerous, yes. and we want people to understand that. Yes. You know, freedom, as I'm hearing you talk about it, their own personal freedom, they don't realize it. They're so they're so involved in self-indulgence that they don't realize that they have lost freedom. Their self-control is gone. And, you know, I, without self-control, I mean, it turns into – it can turn into depression and fear for these – young people as they get deeper and deeper into it. You know, talk to me just a minute about the mom that's saying or thinking, well, you know what, it is sort of, I mean, um, it's sort of natural and normal when hormones change for them to be interested in their bodies and interested in this, and it's kind of a natural progression. And um, talk to the mom in that kind of thinking, and it is a natural thing, but but what would you instruct her as she as she talks to her children about the natural progression, and that's a good and beautiful thing, and yet put up the guard against this. What would you say to that? Well, I remember back th- when I was growing up was the whole True Love Weights movement, which, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all for people who are trying to pursue purity. Absolutely. I know the founder of it. But I would, I would go back and try to reframe the conversation at the time because all I heard, and most people hear, is that sex is dirty, Right don't touch, it's bad, uh, because that was the perception we got 
sure. on the other end of it, we're hearing this like, well, nobody ever said sex is actually a beautiful thing, a gift from God reserved for this. It's a gift, almost a wedding gift for a husband and wife. And, and we're supposed to reserve it for that. It's so intimate and it connects the soul, not just the body and all these things that happen. I never heard all that, right? I just heard stay away. Don't touch. And you think that's because the church teaches that today for well, the most part? For, at the, for sure back then, that mm-hmm. was at least how I perceived it. Yes. doesn't mean they did or not. It's yes. just that's the way I perceived it. So we have to be overly cautious. Now, I'm not going to go around saying, yeah, go for it, mm-hmm. experiment, because obviously it's reserved for a man mm-hmm. and a woman in, in marriage. But I think the way we talk about it is is going to get us down the road better when we say is, this is a beautiful thing. You were designed to be a sexual creature. That's mm-hmm. fine, 14-year-old boy, right? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. You were designed for that, but what do we need to do? How do we need to guard that so that it is the most fulfilling that it was designed to be, which was between you and your wife someday? Sure. And if you don't have a wife, then that's God's gift to you to be single until that time comes, and you have to restrain yourself and all those things. But, but if we talk about it in a way that's saying, this is good, then it doesn't mean I have to suppress this, but I want it so badly. Sure. That's a real dichotomous thing in our brains. Uh, so if it's if it's so good that I can feel that I want it, but then you tell me it's bad, that's not right. Mm-hmm. But if it's good and it's better even whenever it's reserved and done in the right context, man, that's, that's appealing to me. That yes. Maybe I can wait because of that instead yes. of just don't touch. Yes. Because then think about the flipping of the switch. We tell people it's dirty their whole lives, and then you get married, and then that night it's supposed to be nice. Yeah. It's supposed to be great. But, like, but I've been told it's dirty, yes. and now I'm supposed I'm to supposed like to, this. Yes. Like, that doesn't work yes. in our brains. Yeah. So just to tell them it's beautiful, tell them it's a gift, tell them it's something that is is so highly valued by God that he reserved it for mm-hmm. this, and mm-hmm. that's the intention. It's that much more beautiful when you have that. But we have to fight to get to that yes. in the context that we're yes. in right now. I want to tell the moms to just keep talking. The you know, the, we're going to get to some do's and don'ts here in a minute, but just keep talking to your child about it just in a gentle way and and we'll talk about ways to do that in just a moment. But I I, I just want to 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 reiterate that um that talking to them and keeping an open communication is is helpful if you can. John talk to the single mom a moment that uh, you know, this is a difficult topic for all moms, for married couples, you know, for moms and dads. But we're talking to women who don't have husbands in the home. And maybe she has an angry teenager and she's trying to talk to him about the beauty of sex and weight. And then she she's the recipient of the anger and rebellion on the other side. This is a very difficult situation. What would you say to this mom? They need to know you love them. Mm-hmm. Um they don't need you to fly off the handle at them. Yes. Uh, one time, I remember my mom uh, came across something that I had been searching on the internet and asked me about it. Uh, didn't didn't blow up at me. Didn't mm-hmm. um, drop the hammer on me at all. But uh, did ask and and was you could tell was concerned. Mm-hmm. Obviously, like this is not okay. Sure. Um, she didn't have the tools to handle it going forward, and and it kind of didn't help. Uh, the process in my life, but at least she was, she, I look back now and remember that she loved me yes. in spite of that. Mm-hmm. And, that unconditional love. Yeah. And it wasn't like you're, you're out of the house, take the computer away. Sure. But I wish she would have followed up. I wish she would have kept talking to yes. me about those things. Yeah. And so if it's pervasive like that, then maybe there's a, a, an avenue to, to talk through counseling mm-hmm. and legitimate Christian counseling that can help that boy or girl dig into those issues. They've got to be willing, of course, 
but they don't need you to be the counselor all the time. They need yes. you to love them. They need mm-hmm. you to talk with them, have the relationship build. If your kids are young, you have an advantage mm-hmm. that you can keep that going over time yes. before you get to 14 and they're blowing up at you. Mm-hmm. But you have to just say to them, I love you. I want the best for you. I see the danger of this right here. Like, calmly, let's walk through this as best we can. Yes, and I love that. So, you know, so so we've kind of talked about and we're moving into the issues about this is why the mom's listening right now. She's saying, what can I do? What can I do? And I think the first thing that you mentioned was ask questions. Um, ask questions. Um, assure the child that you unconditionally love them, that you are on their side. Um, talk openly with them about healthy sexuality and set a vision for what a healthy marriage would look like. I think you've already mentioned that. Um, what else can a mom do? She needs to certainly, first of all, acknowledge the issue. Um and what other advice would you have for her? Well, first of all, I think the reason we're on this together at all is the fact that they need to be aware that, that their son or daughter is not immune to this, mm-hmm. right? It's so pervasive. So just to be alert, first of all, that this is not something that won't happen to your kid. It probably will in some form. Uh, they'll see something sexually explicit. They'll, they'll come across a friend or, or a text or something that happens. So just realize the reality is to press into these issues, not to just stay away from them and think, bury your head in the sand, it's not going to happen to my kid. So that's the first step is just to for an awareness and alertness that this is real. But then, of course, like we've said, talk, talk, talk. Uh, one thing I would be careful about is this idea of privacy with your kid. Um, they're in your house. They're your child. Um, and, and this is hard if you've built a rhythm that that's not true, where you give them full right to privacy in their house, their room, and stuff. I, I just think we have three boys, 11, 9, 6, no secrets. They're not going to have anything hidden from us. Like even when they get cell phones at some point, it's like, hey, I'm, I've got access. You better give me access or you're mm-hmm. not going to have it, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. So be careful with privacy. Uh, first of all, no computer in the room. Um, Phones should not go to bed with them, sure. I think. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that's just a, a dangerous, and that's including you, parent, mm-hmm. right? Not just mm-hmm. not just your kid. Like, if you're going to ask them to do this, you better do the same thing, mm-hmm. uh, that you have a, a box in the front room or something that you put the phones in, whatever it is, but the ability to check in there, all the texts, their apps. I heard of a, a mom yesterday talking about that even her college sons still have have a group text going on, and she's involved in it. <laughs> And they're, so they're telling their friends, like, my mom's going to see this. You might not want to say that, right? Like, so she still I has access, right? Still has access. So I think that's part of it is just that they've built the relationship long enough that they can have that saying. Now, now again, of course, you're going to get to this privacy issue. It's hard with a mom, with a son. Of course, as a dad, I can speak into and be involved in my son's lives differently when they get to be 16, 18 years old. But I think to have that, that open relationship enough that saying, we're going to trust you, yes, but you got to show me I can trust you. Mm-hmm. And here's how we're going to build mm-hmm. that trust. Those little bricks, it, it, the trust is a wall. Uh, Paul Tripp says this, trust is a brick wall. You don't build that with one big lump. You build it brick by brick by yes. brick. So the more trust bricks you put in, the stronger the yeah. wall is. Mm-hmm. And so that's what you can talk with your son or your daughter saying, the more I can trust you, then the more freedom you can have. But you've got to show me that sure. I can. But at the same time, I can, I'm concerned about you, and I want the best for you. So let's limit the amount of screen time you can have. Let's limit the access you have. I mean, filters and parental controls, those kind of things are great, but they're not the fix to this problem. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like you have a big 
sand plum bush in your backyard. It's, it's overgrown, uh, and you got to dig it out. You want to get rid of it. Well, you can cut the branch. You, you can try to dig it out, but you're going to get cut up by all the branches. So the first step is you got to cut the branches off. Then you can get to the root. So that's what I see, parental software, controls, those kind of things, just the removal of access, that's cutting the branches off. Mm-hmm. But we still have to get to the, the heart, root, yeah. that, that, that root issue in there, which is why the open conversations, uh, biblical disciple-making of your own kids, uh, getting other people involved in the process, uh, counselors, uh, men in the church that can help you with your sons, that that really would dive in uh, safe men who can help you speak into this part of your son's life that you might not be able to from their perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know for many people, for many single moms, that's hard because of the past pain they've had from men, uh, which is why we have to try to create churches that are safe for single moms mm-hmm. that would allow her to find a man, not a, not a husband, uh, find men in the church that would enable some access to that son to say, how do you walk as a man? Because maybe the dad's out of the picture, or maybe uh, he's got a bad experience with men, and so this is a good environment now that we can help him. So don't ignore it, don't lecture it, but acknowledge the issue. Offer love as you go into it. And and when you find this, like you're going to find it in your kid's life. It's just going to happen. So don't shame them. Uh, Validate their worth. Love them well through this process so that they know that they can come to you that this is unconditional love, not, hey, I've seen you fail and you're out, or sure. I'm going to treat you differently. Mm-hmm. No, I want to press in and help you mm-hmm. through this because it's this dangerous or this much of a worry in my life or my history with this uh, means I don't want you to go down the same yes. tactic that I did. Uh, so just carefully, calmly walking through those things. Uh, there's just a list of things there that you can dig into. Yes. And mom, you might be thinking, this is also awkward for me to think about talking to my son about this. We get that. But it's like John said, there are, there are, God has placed godly people around you. If you will look to help invest and raise up this child in the way he should go. And so take advantage for that. And John, you mentioned church. And I just want to say this to single moms that that I know for a lot of you listening, church has has not done you well. You have not felt comfortable there. You have felt condemned there. You have not felt it was a place of life for you. But there are churches out there that will embrace you and love you and come alongside you. And that is certainly a, a step that I believe would be advantageous for you and your family, especially as you walk through this time of trying to raise your kids. You know, John, something else that we might teach the kids, what do you think about teaching them that good choices lead to good consequences and talk about the consequences? Uh, would that would that would that would that have helped you as a young boy if your mom your mom would have talked to you about these are the consequences if you continue in this vein. Would that have helped you? I think so. I think a 14-year-old kid doesn't want to hear statistics, yes. right? It doesn't want to see scientific analysis <laughs> yes. of your brain, those kind of things. But I think to see real real life situations where this has affected people, relationships, marriages, this kind of stuff, to see that that there's personal testimonies, which is again why the church is valuable in my uh, estimation that you would see there's this whole body fit, fit together that this family, this man, this woman, these these older groups of people, this younger group, they've all experienced very different things and can speak into this life from very different perspectives. So versus a single mom who has no concept of this, there's a group of people around that can say, hey, I, I failed at this. Like this is exactly what this podcast is for. Sure. It's like that was my reality for mm-hmm. so long. Uh, but 
but I, I want to help that young man, that young woman, to say, this destroyed me in these ways, or this affected me still today, or whatever it is, that we can, we can hear from all these different sources. Uh, so those consequences of, of dangerous negative behavior, but then also, yeah, here's, here's what we pursued and how we handled our lives, and it created this beautiful environment. Yes. And, and so seeing the positives of that, too, of, of not just, hey, true love waits, and I, I just stayed pure, but like, no, here was the, the struggle I had in that. Here's mm-hmm. how I had to fight. Here's why I wrestled with this. But then here's what God gave us as a result of us choosing to pursue this. Yes, I love that. You know, I read something the other day about explaining the consequences to them, whether they'd listen or not. But I read this, and it's kind of scared me a little bit. In some states, teens caught sexting are now being charged as sex offenders at a young age. That is just really a scary thing. It's just a different world today. Yeah, so, yeah. That, that's that's something that I. I don't think they understand is that this is not just an innocent behavior. Of course, we know if somebody who's above 18 with, with a minor, yeah, we, we get that. Everybody understands that. But yeah, it's happening even peer to peer where that can be construed. All it takes, all it takes is one accusation mm-hmm. that this, this young woman, a 15 year old, gets a text from a guy she doesn't like or, or all of a sudden doesn't like and just says, no, he's harassing me. And it's over. Right. right, and he is—he's in trouble, yes. serious trouble at that mm-hmm. point. So why even get close to the grenade? Yes. Like, let's run away from the grenade as right. fast as we can to get away from that. I'm glad you that. said that. I'm glad you said that. It is a different world, indeed. You know, we've talked about some of the don'ts. You said, um, you know, don't panic, don't ignore it, don't lecture, don't shame. We've talked about that, but I just want to say something as well, moms. Don't blame yourself for everything. Mm. You know, moms are the biggest guilt carriers in the world. And I guess, John, it's because we carried them in our womb. They were placed in our womb. There's a special attachment there that we feel personally responsible for all their 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 inadequacies and and their successes. But moms, you don't don't blame yourself. I wanna tell you you're doing the hopefully you and I both are doing the best we can and then we trust God with the outcome and just take knowledge that you get. But one of my don'ts is don't don't blame yourself for everything. And also, uh, I would blame my mom for the way I am today. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so uh, she might look back and, and see some of those those shameful things that she wishes she could do different. Of course, we all do look back in our past, but she's also the big reason why I am here doing this exactly. and the way I am shepherding people and pastoring and preaching. It's my mom's prayer battles for me, Ephesians 6 style, mm-hmm. right, where she went mm-hmm. to war for years for me, knowing a lot of these things and just saying, God, you're going to have to win this battle. And yes. God turned it around, not even in her home. I was already in college. Mm-hmm. And God used other men and, and even now my wife to, to bring me to that cliff point and show me what was about to be lost if I fell off, if I yes. kept going. Mm-hmm. But that's all going back to God's work through my mom. Yes, so, I love that. So don't live in shame, yes, but also pursue and realize that that fruit may take a long time to grow. Yes, I love that word of encouragement because I love what you said about the mom, the Ephesians mom being the prayer warrior because I now have an adult son that's 30, he's in mid-30s and children, and and I have persevered and fought the battle of prayer for him on so many levels. And moms just just continue. I mean, we just we don't stop the fight of praying for our kids. Um, John, let's just talk for a few minutes in the few more minutes we have together about encouragement from God's word 
for for these moms and what what would you say to them as far as just the encouragement that they can leave here going you know um we're going to get through this well one of my favorite verses it's kind of an off off verse it's not really commonly quoted but uh, a lot of people ask like what's the will of god for my life you know we always get that question the will of God, uh, we, we tend to think of that as like what's what's the com- the company I'm going to work for, the college I'm going to, the will of God, those kind of things. Well, First Thessalonians four three says the will of God is your sanctification that you abstain from sexual immorality. Like that's a part of the will of God is for us to be pure sexually. So uh, that means it's possible, first of all, right? Mm-hmm. That, yeah. that if if it's the God's Thank will, right? Like. <laughs> If it's God's will, that means he's going to empower us and equip us to get there. So we need to help our kids understand that reality. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6, that we're the temple of God. If you're a believer, you're the temple of God. That means God lives in you. You need to carefully handle Like looking at the tabernacle, the, te- the temple in the Old Testament, how carefully they handled that. We need to be careful not to to, to teach them that they're, they are themselves, right? That they are their own little sovereign kingdom. No, they're actually God's. Uh, and it's their it's God's will for them to be sexually pure, at least in part, right? And it's possible. So First Corinthians ten thirteen is the common verse people go to. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man, and God is faithfully not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He'll provide a way out. You can stand up under it. Um, I, I think for us to get that across, that this, if it's the will of God, it's possible for you to pursue sexual purity, as hard as it is, as much as the pressure from the world is sitting on your shoulders and your hormones and all of these things, like, it's possible if God's will is for you to be sexually pure. So I think we can get that across in better ways, and the will of God for sexual purity is not just to keep you down, it's to encourage you towards something better. Better. That the future, if if God's will is for you to be married, then it's to be fulfilled that way. Or if it's to stay single the rest of your life, it's to be fulfilled in your singleness and to be receiving that gift. And so I think for us to see that it's possible for that, then we can help teach our kids that, first of all, live it out ourselves, and then also for the kids to see it. But then, as we've said, the encouragement along the way has been that the Lord's with you in this. So Psalm 23, uh, single mom, like, in the valley, the shadow of death, God is with you, so you will fear no evil. I love that. Right? You will fear no evil. Why? Because he's with you. And so don't fear this. Uh, don't run away from this. It's a heavy topic. It's a big deal, and it's pervasive. You can't watch a commercial without being bombarded mm-hmm. with this. Mm-hmm. So the temptation is to run away, go into the woods, and, and build a shack, and just never touch anything technological. You can't run away from the root issue inside of us. Mm-hmm. So you have to press in to say, God, you're with me in this. I'm going to be as faithful as I can, trust the Lord with the results, and battle for that kid, that boy or that girl, for their soul in prayer, and trust him that he will do his will in their life. Yes, I love that. That's wonderful advice. And moms, I want to... I want to leave you with two thoughts. First of all, I love uh, Isaiah fifty-eight eleven. It says, "The Lord will guide you always; He will satisfy your needs in a scorched land." And and sometimes you feel like you're living in a scorched land, don't you? He will satisfy your desires in a scorched land. But here's the part that I love, and it says, "He will strengthen your frame." You need your frame strengthened from within, and 
the power of God can do that when you press into him. So that I just always love that strength in your frame because as women, <laughs> we need that, we, don't we? We need that. John, before we close, are there any parting words or anything you'd like to say uh, that maybe we hadn't gotten to on the, our session today? Thank you for fighting the good fight, moms. Mm-hmm. Uh, pressing in uh, for the future of our men, for the future of our women, for the future of our country, for the future of our churches. Uh, pressing into this is hard but worth it. It is worth it. And so I'm, I'm so thankful for that good word. You know, in closing today, I want to consider the story in Second Corinthians, Second Chronicles 20, uh, where God's people in Judah were literally outnumbered. In fact, they, the word had gotten back to Jehoshaphat that a great multitude is coming against you beyond the sea. And I'm sure Jehoshaphat, they didn't know what to do. They fasted. They prayed. They, they were facing something bigger than themselves. And after proclaiming God's sovereignty, the word says, uh, he cried out, for we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us, and we don't know what to do. And so I can't help but think, as moms, sometimes we don't know what to do. It seems greater than we are. It seems more powerful. We seem powerless in it. But the the scripture goes on to say in verse 11, the king said, but our eyes are on you, O God. So you have a choice where you put your eyes. Put them on God. Trust him. But I love the rest of the verse where God heard that prayer, and he answered, and he said, Do not fear or be dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. And I love that. The battle is not yours, but it's God's. And I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful because sometimes my battles just seem too big for me. But God's got it. God has got it, and we can trust him. You know, I hope today has... um, relaxed your heart a little bit. I hope you're able to breathe and realize that you can move through this with victory. And as always, we want to thank you for listening to the Equip Podcast by Arise Ministries, and we invite you to continue following our podcast on iTunes and Spotify. We love hearing from you about how our conversations are impacting your life. So if you would leave us a comment or send us an email at info at ariseministries.net, we'd love to hear from you. And you can help us reach other single moms around the world by sharing our podcast on your social media channels. That'd be awesome. And also subscribing to Arise Ministries podcast on iTunes or Spotify. We would love that. So I hope you'll join us again next time. And above all, single moms, just know we love you. You are not alone. God is good. And John and I both thank you for sharing your time with us. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to an Equip podcast. To find out more about Arise Ministries or resources offered for single moms, visit www.ariseministries.net.